0: Right, we're doing it. Um, welcome back to the Magic Library. It has Barry Library. It's been a minute since I sat down and talked. Um, well, first recorded a episode in general, but especially recorded an episode by myself. <laughs> so I cannot deny that it makes me anxious every single time. I had to go through a whole routine before this. I did yoga, I did an ice bath, I took a shower. I just tried to get my mind right before sitting down and doing this because there's just something, I don't know, so scary feeling about sitting in a room by yourself and talking into a microphone. Anyways, I have been... I haven't been recording for the last few months. Um, I started in February, March, maybe it was March or April that I started recording episodes and trying to put one out every Monday. I felt like it was kind of like my uh, trial period where I was just dipping my toes into it and seeing what I needed to change, what I needed to, you know, keep consistent, like, what what new equipment did I need to get because eventually I ended up having to get new mics and so now I'm sitting here with my fancy new microphone and it is almost September and I am feeling called to speak again <laughs> so that's where we're at. Um, this magic library experience is a place of all things wellness you know the broad vast topic of wellness. Um, It's not anything in particular it's just you know if you've had problems or had issues in your life where you're looking to you know just kind of better yourself and maybe just try to become a better version or just improve the things that you've been doing. um, I hope that I'm able to curate a space for you to turn to and just get different ideas. Uh, maybe just kind of learn from my mistakes or get ideas from the things that I've tried. I don't know. However you absorb this and however it resonates with you will be unique for you. So I just hope that, you know, I'm able to help expand your mindset a little bit, become a little bit more open-minded through the things that I have to share. Anyways, um, back in March or April, whenever it was that I started this, I had a listener slash good friend ask me if I would do a episode on grief. And I have thought about it regularly since she brought it up. Um, it's obviously a very big topic, but I do feel like I have things I can share with it because I lost my dad at a young age I was 17 whenever he passed away from cancer Um, and I just feel like it today is actually his birthday and so I felt like Now would be a good time to sit down and kind of bring this full circle and share my experience. Uh, October 25th of 20, this year, 2023, will be nine years since he passed. And so it's quite crazy that that much time has passed. But in reality, he passed away in 2014. So it's kind of hard for me to, that feels like forever ago, but in comparison to, you know, my dad passing, it feels like not long ago at all. So it's just a really weird grief is something bigger than life. I feel like, um, or maybe not griefness. Yeah, I guess grief. Cause that goes hand in hand with losing someone you love, but I just feel like the idea of losing someone, um, causes so much anxiety and tension and stress and just you know I feel like almost the idea of losing someone versus actually losing someone are two completely different things I sorry I get a little worked up talking by myself because I feel like I can't have any dead space and I just every now and then have to remind myself to take a deep breath um Okay, before I just start rambling, let me go back to the beginning. Like I said, nine years of very deep, a very deep feeling of loss um, is what I've gone through. Okay, I'm also prepared to have to redo this episode multiple times. And so instead of giving up right now, I'm going to power through nine years ago, right? I'm 17 years old. Uh, I'm a senior in high school. I am, you know, at a new school. I moved new school to new school my senior year. Um, my dad lived four hours away in Houston. I knew he was obviously battling cancer, and although I didn't know how bad it was, um, I knew he wasn't getting much better, and. Basically, the way it all went down was I got a phone call from my sister while I was in the Starbucks parking lot in Waco, Texas, I'll never forget, and she told me that dad wasn't doing good and that we needed to go see him, and I knew that if it called for us driving down to Houston on a, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday, it was definitely early in the week, I knew it was pretty serious, and so... After we hung up, I just kind of, like, tried to collect my thoughts, but in reality, I was pretty blank-minded. Like, there wasn't a lot of things that came into my head. It was just kind of like, wow, I I didn't even know how to process it. And, um, fast forward to us going down to Houston, walking into the hospital, seeing my dad in in the hospital bed. Um, I couldn't even tell you his weight, but... I want to say it was just a little bit over 100 pounds. He was so, so, so small, hardly recognizable. He was in fetal position most of the time we were there. He hardly could talk, even though I knew he was aware we were there. It was a weird, weird realm, it felt like, where we knew he wasn't going to get better. And yet, we went day after day for almost a week straight and sat by his bedside. I tried to do homework um, while we were in the waiting room, and I tried to just, you know, stay busy. And as, you know, we would do this, we had family members come in. And although I didn't really realize at the time that they were all saying their goodbyes, I thought, you know, everyone was just coming to see him to kind of help him through it. I don't know. I don't really remember what all I thought at the time because it... Even though, like I said, it was almost a week of us sitting there. It hap—it all happened so quickly. And I remember um, Friday, I guess it was Friday. Maybe it was Thursday night. I think it was Thursday night after we had been at the hospital all day with him. We had my aunt come and tell us that they were going to be relocating him to hospice. And I didn't really know what that meant. So they explained to me that basically... It was a matter of time, and um, we just needed to be prepared for, you know, for that. And the next day, we went and visited him um, pretty early. I remember before we went to the room, we had one of the hospice nurses uh, pull me and Paige aside by ourselves and hand us this packet of information was just rattling off information like obviously this is her day-to-day job she's used to this environment she's used to the information that she was giving us um and she just basically quickly rattled off like okay he's not gonna like loud noises um don't touch his skin too much because it can be really sensitive um blah 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 he was she was just going down this list of all these things we shouldn't do around dad because it might you know might not feel good for him and he's deteriorating fast and all this stuff and so obviously Paige and I just kind of lost it at that point and I remember we had to (laughs) we kind of were upset and we talked to my aunt about it and she was so upset that the I mean the nurse had sat us down and told us in that way because I mean Paige was 21 I guess um I was 17 so we were so young going through this and uh long story short, um, that night we all had our moment with him. I played a song called You Can Let Go Now Daddy on my phone for him. I apologized to him for all my wrongdoings, um, as a child growing up, and I, uh, told him it was okay if he was ready to go, and, um, My mom had her time with him Paige had her time with him and we went home that night and um I guess before we went home we Paige's one of Paige's good friends came and we all Paige and I laid in bed with dad and we just listened to 90s country music and um just kind of tried to soak in the time while he was still there um we went home that night and my mom woke me up at 6:10 the next morning and she told me that he had passed and uh i just remember the feeling of a hole in my heart <laughs> i felt so numb everything felt so surreal the next week two weeks month was just a blur i um I guess he passed away on a was it a yeah it was a Saturday morning I believe um and I was back in school by Monday because I didn't know what else to do with myself I didn't want to just sit in it I wanted to move and um I mean I had I was cheering I had a pep rally that next weekend I it was like Halloween weekend and so we had this whole thing planned and it was senior weekend uh see um or, I mean, Parents Weekend, I guess, for seniors. And um, I just felt like I needed to get back to school, and I needed to just stay strong and keep going. And so that's what I did. And uh, I realize as an adult now, I intuitively did the only thing I knew how to do, which was move and keep going. Uh, it took me a few years before I really felt the pain of losing him because it felt so surreal for a while. I didn't see my dad every day. Um, Like I said, he lived four hours away, so it was just an every now and now and then type of thing where we would see him. So not being able to call him was the biggest, uh, you know, change for me. It wasn't like I all of a sudden wasn't seeing him every day, so it didn't I was in this limbo of is it real, is it not real. Um, whenever we went back down for his funeral, that was a just a weird experience. I I spoke at his funeral in front of all these people. I didn't cry the entire day. I didn't. I felt like I needed to stay strong for my family. I we all handled it in such different ways, and I processed a lot of my grief on my bathroom floor alone in my apartment. Um, cause I just felt like, I don't know, that's just what, what, how I ended up processing it all. But ultimately as time went on each year that passed, certain things were brought to the surface. And I remember when it came up around on the first year anniversary, I was in college, I was a freshman in college and um i had been brainstorming getting a number 3 tattoo for my dad that was our thing he was carl simone minger the third, i was born on 3397 um there're just so many correlations he was number 3 in football growing up i always tried to be number 3 or 33 in sports uh it was just kind of like our thing and I had been thinking about getting a Roman numeral three on my wrist for him and I it was my first like it it would have been my first tattoo you know I, I hadn't had any at that point and so obviously it was a really big decision to me and I wanted to you know put it on my wrist as like a constant reminder that he is with me and just you know a reminder that I'm loved from him always no matter where he's at he's always with me and even though i knew that deep in my heart it was just kind of like a reflection outward you know that when i it it made me feel good when people would ask about it and i got to talk about him for a little bit but um i was praying about it if i should get the tattoo and i remember i was driving in his truck because i inherited his nissan titan this giant truck and I remember I was driving it, and I was praying about it, and th- my radio, <laughs> this was back when you listen to the radio, was on a Christian station, and the song that came on was um, My God is Three in One, and I just thought, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and I just thought, I was like, wow, okay, that might be a sign. And then I pull up to the gas station to get some gas, and I, should you not, The person before me that had gotten gas, they spent $33.33. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm getting tatted. You know, like this is meant to be like, obviously, let's do it. And um, that was my first time that I had seen, you know, threes like that lined up after he had passed that year leading up to that point from when he passed to like this point in time whenever I decided to get the tattoo I was very mindful of threes because like I said that was our thing but the first six months after he passed I would see license plates that said CSM which was his initials and then in what in whatever way there would be a three in the last four digits somewhere whether it was two threes or just one there was always a three after the CSM And it screamed that, like, he's with me. He's here. It got to the point where I started taking pictures of it to, like, prove it to people. And then it was too weird because I had all these photos of people's license plates. And I was like, this probably is, like, not, this probably doesn't look good, you know. So I probably shouldn't keep all these. But there was just something that, like, it was so in my face. And I could not ignore it. And every time I saw it, it made me smile. And it made me feel, um his energy, which is so strange. I had never really thought about death that much, you know, as a kid leading up to me being 17. I pondered about it, of course, but I never knew what it would look like. And so whenever I started to learn that their energy does not die with them, it just kind of goes into the abyss. It goes out into the universe, wherever it goes. I kind of started to learn that, like, you, through certain things, you can always channel that energy back. And so as these years went on, I started to, like, dive into this a little bit more. And, like, it, it there were certain moments every year around his birthday or around the anniversary of his passing, something weird would happen. Like, whenever, um, I guess it was 14, his four-year um, anniversary he that that same year so four years after he had passed on his birthday i just happened to go on my first international trip uh with my boyfriend at the time and we had gone to iceland and um like, literally, we just, three days before the flight, we bought our tickets so spontaneous, so last minute. We, it just happened to be on the same date as my dad's birthday. And then that, a few months later, we were so, you know, we had the travel bug at that point. So before we even got back from our Iceland trip, we bought tickets to Germany for, in October, at the end of October, and did not plan it, couldn't have planned it if we tried, We knew we wanted to go see Germany and we just happened to have found connections with these, this girl that was a foreign exchange student at my high school and we got her contact and we ended up staying with her in Munich, Germany. And my dad was actually born in Germany in Bitburg, I want to say is what it was called. Um, it's a smaller German town. I think his dad was stationed over there during the war. And so he was born in Germany and, um, we so we stayed with them in Munich for a few days and then we were like, Hey, there's this cool castle out in the Alps. Let's go let's go visit, you know, like let's just go uh rent a car. It was a few hours away and let's go see it for the day. And so that's what we ended up doing and because before we'd left I realized we were gonna be gone for the twenty fifth anniversary, I brought some of my dad's ashes and I ended up on on the day of the anniversary of his passing is whenever this whole castle thing worked out and we took this long road trip through the countryside of Germany and it's fall and the trees are beautiful and the weather is perfect and we hike up, you know, this mountain to this castle the castle that actually inspired Walt Disney it's literally the castle that he built, you know, Disney around um, and we got to spread his ashes in the Alps, like on the day of his anniversary and things like that, that just worked out so beautifully that it still gives me chills to this day. It still brings tears to my eyes and makes my voice a little shaky because it's, I, I, I couldn't have planned that, you know, if I tried. And there's always been, every year there's something like that. And so I kind of get excited around his birthday, around the anniversary, because I always feel like, I'm like, oh, he's, this is the time whenever he really comes back. Like he, I really feel his energy around those dates and, um, he knows it's significant to me and to my sister. And so there's just, there's just all these different ways that we start to look for him around those times. But even just throughout the year, throughout the year, I realize that when you're spending time with someone, um, and you're living a specific specific season of your life and you're doing certain things that you know aren't going to last forever like it's all temporary in the bigger picture but by stimulating your senses right like so taste smell touch sight um what's the other one uh, anyways <laughs> by stimulating these senses we can almost you can almost trigger yourself back into that exact Point in time and um there was this thing there's this quote that I read that said something along the lines of if art decorates our space then music decorate music decorates time and that really really resonated with me because like I said before dad passed away we had all sat on his bedside we listened to 90s <laughs> 90s country the best country and now whenever I hear those songs, I genuinely feel his presence with me. He was such a big Aggie. He loved Texas A&M football. It was his favorite thing to do every Saturday. Anytime they would win, he would blare the Aggie wore him so loud in the house that the whole neighborhood could hear it. And to this day, when I hear that, I can, my skin (laughs) literally gets goosebumps because it's like I can feel his energy radiating through me. And I think that grief is such a beautiful thing because it it causes you to feel pain in a way that would not exist if that love was never there in the first place. If I wouldn't have truly loved my dad, if I wouldn't have had those memories with him, the, the, the grief of him passing would not have been as deep and just overwhelming as it was it wouldn't have numbed me the way that it did and you know forced me to look at life through a different lens and develop a new perspective it wouldn't have hit me in all those ways had I not loved him in the way that I did and I think that as you know as I get older I realize we have a very strange way of looking at grief um I don't think, it, I, from what I've learned, I don't think grief used to be such a, like, oh, we don't talk about it until it happens. We don't want to look at the body once they pass. We don't want to, um, it's, I just feel like the way society views death is very different than what it used to be. Um, you don't, I, it doesn't feel like we have that closure during the funerals and like during your process of saying goodbye as much as we did in the past maybe I don't know but i just feel like through grief i have learned so much about myself i've learned a lot about my spirit i through the whole number three thing with my dad I've learned that I can develop a whole language with my angels with my guardian angels which is what I believe my dad is now for me and I can channel him and I can ask for his guidance and his protection and um, I can just kind of like even though the hardest thing, one of the hardest things about losing someone is the language that you had when they are here on earth no longer exists. You no longer get to have those same type of conversations with that person. You, on the other hand, you get to develop a new language through, from earth to the spirit realm. And you get to, um, have your little symbols and your signs and your music and your smells. Whenever I smell a certain cologne, I feel him. Whenever I get into someone's pickup truck and it has a similar scent, I feel him. There's so many little things that snap me right back to it. And I real another thing that I've realized with it is the he was my dad obviously so he taught me a lot as I was growing up and there are little things that he taught me that I still to this day do like I still will do in the way that he taught me even as a really small child where I can hardly believe that I remember him teaching it to me but there are things that I do that are exactly how he did it and through one of the anniversaries of his passing I had a realization of the life he lived you know doesn't exist anymore but those things that he did and the way that he lived lives on through his loved ones and so with me you know there's there are little activities i can do like i said that channel him back whether it's stimulating those senses like grilling outside on a fall saturday Um, before a football game like there's things like that that I can do but at the same time there's also like material things like I wear his old t-shirts I have you know like Jarrett is carrying his money clip and Jarrett has just recently started wearing his watches and I have you know a necklace of his and a bracelet and there's things like that that even through the material world uh, those things get to live on through me and I think that that's such a beautiful thing that a lot of people who have lost loved ones, um, they kind of, you know, you always have like your little trinkets of your past ones that, um, you know, people hang on to because it, it really does trigger that energy from that person that you loved. And I also think (laughs) these are just all my thoughts. Take what you want, leave it. I don't have any advice for how to deal with grief. Um, because everyone is different with it and everyone processes it differently but these things that have happened through my experience of it have changed the way i look at someone passing and at the end of the day we're all going to die we are all going to die your mom your dad your sister your brother your your kids at some point we're all going to die in one way or another and i i have learned to whenever i feel the depths of grief through someone for someone i love that is still living. I instead of in the past i'd be like nope, they're not dead. They're fine. We're moving on. We're not going to think about this. Now i kind of give myself that grace to just be like sad, you know, to just feel that feel of what it would be like when they pass because ultimately it will happen. Maybe it's not going to happen today right this second, but it will inevitably and I Obviously, there's something in me that is wanting to grieve grieve them at this moment. So why would I not just honor that and sit with it, cry my eyes out, sob about the fact that, you know, one day I'm not going to get to talk to them and see them and hold them and hug them and, you know, smell their smell and all of the things one day that won't be an option. And I feel like in doing that and honoring that and sitting with that, I appreciate that person so much more. And I'm... Slowly learning to never take the people I love for granted and um, I don't think that it's something we need to shy away from and be scared of because at the end of the day like I said it's inevitable, we all die but I also think that <sighs> I also think that as humans we're here to experience pleasure and pain and so whenever something does happen like that whenever you do lose a loved one there's a part of you that's like okay yeah this this is that feeling this is that feeling that I've been you know scared of feeling for a very long time but it's here I knew it was going to come someday this is it and I'm in it and I'm experiencing it I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to numb it. I'm going to just sit with it. And I'm going to, as I'm doing this, I'm just going to, you know, speak out. Speak out to whatever, whoever feels right. Whether that's your guardian angels or your guides or God or just the universe. Or, you know, whatever you feel called to speak to. Just kind of having that moment of yeah this life is a freaking present it's a present with a big pretty bow and even though it comes with both pain and pleasure it's so worth it and I wouldn't want to have it any other way this is part of the human experience and it's not something that you can run from it's something that you know like I said a million times it's inevitable so just whenever you feel it feel it man don't be scared of it it's it wants to be let in so bad because we live in this world where we pretend everything's good all the time people ask you how you are just casually passing you on the street or come walking into a gas station hey how are you good how are you we never really truly dive into our feelings and whenever you're struck with grief it's like you know what i'm not okay i'm not okay today and that's okay (laughs) it's okay to not be okay And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that grief has taught me is it's not all going to be great, but whenever you have those days of deep pain and grief, oh my God, the sun is so much brighter the next day, and the birds chirp a little louder, and the colors in the sky are more vibrant, and it's just, you realize that those two things have to go hand in hand, and then looking at it that way. It will never take away the pain of losing someone you love, but it'll help you get through hopefully hour by hour, day by day, until eventually you look back and be like, wow, it's been nine years that I've been doing this. It's been nine years that I've been missing him and wanting to hear his voice and, you know, give him a hug. But he's always there. Um, God. <laughs> I have a quote that I would like to leave you with. Um, I read it at some point after um, my friend had asked me to do this episode. And it really has sat with me. <laughs> um, and kind of just wraps this all up <laughs> from what I, the point I've been trying to get at um, this whole episode so before I read it I would just like to dedicate this episode to my father Carl Simone the III big Texas Aggie little cowboy a good man a good man in a hard world and I love and miss him dearly Um, Here is the poem. It's by Henry Scott Holland. And it is called Death is Nothing at All. Death is nothing at all. It does not count. I have only slipped away into the next room. Nothing has happened. Everything remains exactly as it was. I am I and you are you and the old life that we lived so fondly together is untouched unchanged whatever we were to each other that we are still call me by the old familiar name speak of me in the easy way which you always used put no difference in your tone where no forced air of oh gosh I don't know this word salt salt oh I know the word but it's hard for me to say sorry um, Where no forced air of psalm, psalmnity or sorrow. So sorry if I didn't say that properly. I guess I've never really read this poem out loud. <laughs> Anyways, um, laugh as we always laughed at the little jokes that we enjoyed together. Play, smile, think of me, pray for me. Let my name be ever the household word that is that it always was. Let it be spoken without an effort without the ghost of a shadow upon it. Life means all that it ever meant. It is the same as it ever was. There is absolutely an unbroken continuity. Sorry. There is absolute and unbroken continuity. What is this death but a negligible accident? Why should I be out of mind because I am out of sight? I am but waiting for you for an interval somewhere very near just around the corner all is well nothing is hurt nothing is lost one brief moment and all will be as it was before how we shall laugh at the trouble of parting when we meet again